This is Speaking from User Experience, powered by Crosscom. In this series, we explore how empathetic research, design, and development lead to better digital products that delight and empower users. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Speaking from User Experience. And once again, I have Darren Staten and Steve Maxson. Darren is our lead UX UI designer. Uh, he's passionate about solving problems through clean, minimal design. And then Steve is our senior UX UI designer, and he believes that UX has the power to influence lives and behaviors in significant ways. And today is going to be really interesting because we're talking about personalization and customization. And prior to the little information that I now have, uh, I thought that they were synonymous. And Steve and Darren quickly told me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mainly Steve told me that. <laughs> so uh, let's get into it. Let's start with personalization. What is personalization? Uh, why, don't, why don't Darren, you answer that question? Well, personalization is exactly what it sounds like, right? Is when you make content on your website, mobile app, or through app, you personalize it to the um, user. And it, it can be done by individuals, it can be for groups, but it's all about matching the needs of, of the users that you have. Um, so I think a good example is like Amazon, right? When you go on Amazon, they suggest recommended uh, material that or items to you based on your previous search uh, history and buying habits. So if you've been looking at microphones all day, right? Next time you go on there, they're going to suggest a bunch of different types of microphones that meet your needs. So that's what a personalization is. When a user goes to uh, their website, app, whatever it is, uh, they're bombarded, or not bombarded, but they're presented, it's the correct term, with uh, items or material or ads that they want to see, right? It's not, you know... If you don't like, you're not into cars and stuff like that, and you go to a tech website and all you're seeing is ads about cars, then that's not personalizing to the user, right? So it's buying into their like their habits and things like that. Okay, so that's personalization. Then there's customization. Steve, can you tell us what customization is? Customization, it's probably easier to explain. It's just the ability to for the user to edit the UI of their software, their interface, whatever you want to call it, uh, in order to better uh, meet the needs that they they have. So uh, you you see examples like this all the time in in software. Just like I guess the, the easiest example that most people can relate to is your phone. And you you, you whether you have an iOS phone or an, an Android phone. Uh, you have you're going to be downloading apps and then you're going to be organizing those into folders, moving those between screens, things like that. That's customization. That's where the, the user has control of how an interface looks so that it fits their needs. OK, so you said something important there. You said the user has control. So it seems like that's the difference. What or are there other differences or what's what's the difference between the two? That's the biggest difference is that personalization is done by a system, uh, a artificial intelligence, and um, customization is done by the user, as in real intelligence, uh, as some people may put it. So it's, it's the two differences. 
Yeah, I, I I don't know that. I well, I, I think like AI does can can come into play there with the personalization, and we might be we might get into some of those uh, uh, examples later on. But uh, the, the 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 main thing that at least like in the in the UX and in the world that we live in, the the term that's thrown out thrown around a lot, and this this also precedes UX by the way. This but the the term that's thrown around a lot it's called agency. And agency is the ability, uh, the the power, the control that's given to the user in order to for them to make decisions. I personally do not like this term because just go, if you, go ahead and, and if you want to, just try to Google that term um, and then uh, pair it with words like UX or UI design. And it's, you're not going to find results. You're just going to get bombarded with uh, articles about design agencies, UX agencies, things like that. You're not going to find a, a really good definition unless you go through page three, four, five uh, after that. And and it's it's a term that's used, uh, and I I don't like to use it because it's 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 not it's it's lingo that doesn't really translate to a larger audience. But like yeah, like the so it's just a matter of giving that control to the user. Um, so it's also been called like empowerment, um, giving them the ability to to change things. And that's the main difference between personalization and customization. Yeah. Uh, now, we'll who, say, who's the one making that, cha- that that change? I will say there is a difference, though. And so both of these are meant uh, to enhance your user experience, right? They both, in a sense, uh, give people more of a personalization, right? Customization and personalization in, in general is giving uh, the users more control or personalizing it. Like, is, you're making it more about them, right? It's about the user. But there's a difference in application for each user. Uh, for customization, right? These are users who, who really love this feature. And the reason you're implementing it, you're assuming that they have knowledge or, uh, or that they have um, information, right? That is important to what they're doing in the UI. Where personalization really comes into play when you're really, it's like a lot of, in most cases, it's used as a recommendation, right? You're assuming they don't know or need more information or like they need help getting to what they're trying to get to. So I would say your approach and which one you use can change and differ too. That's a good segue, actually. You talk about the different approach. So let's talk about personalization first. Why should you personalize? Well, uh, there's a ton of reasons. Uh, It doesn't mean they always work out, but (laughs) there's a ton of reasons, right? It increases conversions. Uh, we start getting into you know bounce rates and drop rates and stuff like that. It also improves user engagement. I think one of the biggest things though is that it drives leads, right? Uh, when people come to your site, right? There's a lot of statistics and proven uh, stuff proven that you know when let's say an ad in this case is more personalized, someone is more likely to click on it, and you're actually more likely to get enticed by the thing that they're going to. So that's kind of one of the biggest uh, motivations why people personalize content is that it either increases conversions or it drives leads. So I would say that's one of the biggest ones. But I think one of the underlying ones, I think from a user uh, designer uh, side, I think is brand loyalty, right? Or the idea that you're showing that to the user that you care and that you care about them, right? And you care about the things that they're interested in, which increases the relationship between you and a user. 
or that the app they're using. Like, uh, like I'm going to just pick one, Netflix, for instance. A lot of people love Netflix because they don't have to sit there and kind of customize and move things around and keep searching through content. This is a lot of movies, right, on Netflix. When you go on there, you're kind of shown your habits, right? If you're really into mystery stuff, you're starting to see over time, your Netflix is like mostly mystery or, and you're like, oh, there's always something for me to watch it's because you're personalizing it and you're creating a strong bond and you're increasing a relationship between you and the product. So I think that's one of the biggest impacts of personalization. Um, you mentioned Netflix. I remember hearing that even the thumbnails for the videos are tailored to the user. So you may see a different thumbnail than I see for the same movie. Yeah. Yeah, I got friends Netflixes that are like, it blows my mind how intense it can get. Uh, like, uh, I know people who only watch anime or like uh, um, Asian movies and stuff like that. And when I turned on their Netflix, I thought it was in a different language because everything was only Asian movies. <laughs> there, there was no singular American content whatsoever. But it's just because that's all they watch. So you really see the difference the more you check or like my fiancés and stuff. It's, it's mostly uh, romance and, um, you know, anime and different things, like completely different in mine, which is more thrillers and stuff. So I, I find it very interesting how they do that. It's, it's interesting, too, to bring up Netflix because they, they've really tried to go into that personalization maybe further than some of the other like big tech companies out there. Because if you remember, uh, this is they actually discontinued this service because it was not uh, working. It wasn't giving them the results that they were looking for. But they used to have the there was a button that you could click it, and then it would it was like a, like find something for me, or I think they even gave it like a name at some time. I think it went through some iterations before they axed it, and it, and then you would click it, and it would look at the content that you've consumed, and then uh, give you recommendations uh, based on that. Why it failed is it depends on the user's engagement of other systems, right? Because you might watch something on Netflix, and if you don't give that if you don't give that show a rating, which is like they have the thumbs up, thumbs down, and I think they even have like like a, a love it rating now. I think that I, I just saw that recently. So like that's like a double thumbs up basically, and then you can you know scale those uh, however you want. Uh, but if you don't you if you don't engage with that system. Then Netflix then is is led to have to have to make some assumptions on your behalf of like, oh, well, the user watched it and then you might you, they could go in. And I don't know how I don't know the specifics of how Netflix's algorithm works, but they could. Uh, we, I've done things before where it's like you can look at, OK, did they watch it? Yes or no. If it's yes, then you can say that's a success or it could be how much did they watch? And you probably want to do that a percentage base, right, because content can vary from like. They have like, you know, you know, some episodes are like seven minutes long for some of their shorts that they have. But uh, so you, you, you go percentage based and then if they watch more than 50 percent or they watch like 90 percent because like you don't, you don't want to include if they don't watch the credits and say that's a failure, then that's a success. And it's OK. OK, let's put that in the algorithm. They did, in fact, like that if they did, if they even if they didn't leave a rating. So I don't know. I, I just found that really I find that really interesting. Um, it, it, it obviously didn't work. So like there's obviously uh, examples of like where you can use it and how best to use it. But it doesn't it's, it's not always going to work or give you the results that you might be looking for. But that's, that's the funny part. It did work because I still have that feature. And that's another thing. They've curated that feature to people who use it. I am one of those people who like 
Uh, I, I do the light um, thumb hand. There's two for like if you really enjoyed it, and then there's one like there's different ones actually. Um, and I'm someone who really does that to curate my Netflix. So therefore, I now have the feature, which I know some of my friends don't have it, where it asks me, uh, "Would you like us to recommend?" Uh, a movie to you and I really don't feel like I know what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And it's because I'm in, into the system so much and I that I've created enough habits for them to suggest something. If you're someone who probably never uses that feature, they don't um, put it on your neck. Yeah, that's that's an, actually an interesting concept and another example of personalization, right? They might be doing it where like if you, you have to have X number of ratings and if you have X number of ratings, then enable this feature. Otherwise, don't enable it because it's actually going to lead to a worse user experience. And I, I, I'm, I'm, this is me speculating on how the logic has to work on the back end. But I just find it really fascinating on, on how... How you can leverage data in order to produce a better user experience. And I think something that Steve brought up unintentionally uh, is that that's the thing. Personalization, uh, I guess you could say a downside to get to success may involve a lot of trial and error. So part of that, and that's part of getting that user, that's feedback in itself, right? You might do something and it just doesn't work. How about now we come up with a new way of suggesting it to this party and this party? So um, personalization has a lot of high cost in that way, where like you're going to have to put a lot into the system and your algorithm and stuff like that. Okay, that that's really helpful. That's about personalization. Some some good examples. The main one being Netflix, um, but you had mentioned some some others earlier. But I do want to talk about customization. Why should you allow a user to customize? So okay, I'll I'll, I'll take this one. So I wrote out like some specific examples. I try to like define rules of where I would use customization because I think I think the where you would use it, at least at like a large scale, is going to be uh, uh, very, very narrow. But I think you want to have a complex system that you can't be simple, that can't be simplified without hurting the UX. That's my that's my first rule. Rule number two. Uh, users need to be need to be spending a significant amount of time within the UI. Uh, if, if it's something where they're just going to go there and, and be there for a few few minutes to find something that they're looking for and then bounce, like it's probably not worth it uh, because like they're, you're not you're not offering any benefits to them at that point. And then the the third rule, uh, which is I guess maybe this isn't doesn't necessarily um, a rule, but the target a wide variety of different use cases. So there are there's a lot of software out there. The one the one that comes to mind for this specifically is project management software, whether it be, you know, there's, there's Jira, there's the, there's ClickUp, there's, uh, there's, there's all, there's what, Monday, there's all sorts of different options out there, right, for this. But it, in most businesses these days, at least in the software development, I can't really speak beyond my, my, my realm that I kind of live in. But uh, in, in that area, there's, you you're, you're gonna, there's going to be dashboards and there's going to be different types of users and it needs to apply for a variety of different industries. It needs to work for medical, it needs to work for manufacturing, it needs to work for gaming, it needs to work for all of these different uh, situations. And so then like then the, 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 the deciding factor that I thought when it comes to that, as far as like as opposed to putting a number on how many different use cases, 
I think it should just be looked at as far as the cost it would take to develop solutions for those different use cases, each different use case having a unique design that is researched and designed for that user group uh, versus the cost of building the customization effort, because there is a cost in in, in doing that, into building a, a UI that can be customized. And so I think that's a deciding factor. I don't think there should be a finite number that is applied to that. And then, so as far as like some examples that, that meet that criteria, the, the main one that I think of are dashboards because the dashboards are, are by their very nature, a summary of information uh, from other more complex screens, right? Uh, so um, I'm trying to think of a, a common dashboard that we see. We see those uh, a lot of times um, in, in, in phones and uh, to, to give you a summary of, of information. Maybe it's data usage or, or battery usage. It's all displayed on one. And it, 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 it's and then, like I said, the, the, the project management software as well is another one where you're going to want to see a summary of, of tasks that are related specifically to you. While someone that is maybe on more of the management side might want to see an overall summary of how the entire team is doing, uh, that's where customization really comes into play. So th those are those are like the rules that I, I defined of where I would apply customization, um, at least on a on a large scale. Yeah, I'll say on a large scale. I'll say I agree with seventy percent of that, uh, but I would like to state too that like. That means you're thirty percent wrong, Steve. Just so you, <laughs> just so you <laughs> thanks for the math there. <laughs> well, the thing is, customization's been around for a while, right? That's kind of the basis that in today's world, a lot of people have defaulted into their system. There's stuff you don't think about, like profiles. A lot of apps um, or systems that we use today have profiles built in, right? And being able to change your age, your demographics, and stuff like that. That is a basic level of customization. And that, that, that is customization. There's some apps that don't have that at all, right? That's, that's considered customization, right? You're giving them control. And I, I like to think of customization too. A part of it is the ability to differentiate something within your system to that, to that user, right? Because um, I think personalization covers more, like it can cover individuals and groups, but customization is particular to a user. Um, so I think when companies that go above and beyond normal customization, I would think about like, for instance, Instagram at the moment or, uh, uh, Tinder or stuff like that, where there's a lot of things that you can change the ability that, uh, uh, pronouns, everyone can add their pronouns. Everyone can change their picture. You can add, uh, now links in there to your website. All that is customization, right? There's just differentiating you from a different user, right? Uh, the ability to change your color. Uh, it's just, it's simple, but that's still customization. The thing with customization is like you're giving them control. And I think Steve kind of put it too. There's a fine line between doing too much customization and too less, right? Less is just basic functionality things I think some apps just need. But when you're trying to get, you know, improve user experience, you want to be careful not to give people too much control because all you're doing is overwhelming the user and saying, ha, huh, this is all on you. You know? So uh, I think you gotta be careful there. But that's what I said. I agree with 70% of what Steve was saying, but I don't think that like all those rules necessarily apply because customization is kind of the default for a lot of user experience design or design in general for app applications and things. But uh, that's just my opinion. 
I'd like to say that I 100% disagree that profiles are a form of customization. I guess it, I guess I'll, I'll caveat. I think that I think we can find a compromise here. I guess it depends on how the if the profile information is being used. Like you mentioned later on like in LinkedIn with the pronouns, right? Uh, that's an example I think we're that like you're kind of customizing your appearance to others. But a lot of uh, websites will have, you know, there's like a social side to it, right? If you don't have that social side, which a lot of websites that have profiles do, you're just you're inputting information, but you're not really customizing the 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 UI in any way uh, to your to your to yourself, and you're not definitely not to others if there's no social aspect of it. So was MySpace uh, where you could like there was a lot more that you could change in MySpace if you remembered. Uh, would that be considered customization? All the different I things that you that can do. Customization. That is customization. Uh, Facebook highly uses customization. Now they use personalization too, but I'm not going to focus on that. They use a lot of customization, right? Your ability to hide, unhide your content, your privacy uh, changes and stuff like that, which people now may see as basic features for a lot of things because we're in an age where privacy is very important, things like that. But that's customization, right? You can hide your content. You can select it to only be shown to your friends. You can select it to only be shown to uh, the, the public. It can be like, is that all that is customization. Um, so that's what I said. You want to, I don't think you should set defined rules for customization or personalization. I think, although I think personalization takes uh, more work and things to do, but I think customization is, should be a bigger part of a lot, most apps, but there's apps you can have where like it's all about doing right. So you don't need technically a profile. You just can have an account and then they, you're using your product. So the case that there's always a need for customization is not true. But that's what and that's why I say. But there's a lot of things that we have today that have it, and we're we're overlooking it because it's something we use so much now. But that's all customization. We hope you're enjoying our conversation. We'll be back after this brief word from the Crosscom CEO Don Shin. The mission of Crosscom is to leverage technology and innovation to solve and respond to some of the world's toughest challenges and to make a meaningful impact. Crosscom has been able to, for the most part, get every major trend right and stay on the cutting edge, stay on the forefront of where interactive uh, technology and human-computer actions have been going. We're always looking towards how technology is going to profoundly shape the human experience. And I think that kind of commitment to foresight and to what the future holds is not just fortune telling, it really is staying one step ahead for ourselves and for the clients that trust us. Okay, so you mentioned something you mentioned Facebook, you talked about customization, but you, you sort of mentioned how they also do personalization. So I guess the question I want to ask is, can a product use both? And why should one win over the other in certain scenarios? Um, well, I'm, I'm going to keep this very simple and short. In my opinion, all this is based on the fact that you have done a lot of good user research to understand how to implement these two, right? You can't just like, just say, I'm gonna do this and do this. And, but all this is based on predefined user research. But, um, but yes, you can do both. Uh, I think 
YouTube uh, is one that does both, right? They send you recommended videos. Uh, it will personalize content based on your viewing habits. So just like Netflix or YouTube would be highly curated to what you're watching over time if you're signed into an account. Um, but you can also customize, right? You can create favorites. You can create lists. You can watch videos. You know, they give you an, enough control to be able to watch stuff later and say, I don't want to take time to watch this right now, but I can watch this later. Um, and if you were to become a content creator, then there's a bunch of customization stuff in that sense. Short answer is yes, you can do both, but none of this matters unless you understand your users and you're trying to figure out like, hmm, they want to differentiate content or they need to be able to organize or list content or have more control of what they're viewing. Then yes, I'm going to add these customization uh, features. Uh, but oh, there's a lot here. We don't want to overwhelm them. How about we suggest stuff that they may want to watch that helps speed up the process, personalization. So I think there's... You can use both. You just have to understand your uh, target demographic. Yeah, and I, I think too, if you're going to do both, you you definitely need to have a very valid reason to do it. Because I, I think in most cases, and I think we've seen too, where like when when Darren and I were we're arguing a little over like custom, what is customization? There's there's a high degree of variance on what qualifies as customization and the, the scale at which you do it. So I, I think you could probably have, you could definitely do both even in a, a, a small, like a small piece of software that just you're getting off the ground as opposed to something like YouTube or Facebook, the, the, the big, big giants that are out there. Uh, but to, if you're going to do both and, and, and go heavy into it, like I, that's where I think like th that leave that to, Amazon, Facebook, YouTube. I think that's like a playground that they they should be playing in unless you have very good data that suggests that you need to do both. Otherwise, I think that you you probably have re, you, you probably spend those resources better elsewhere. But obviously each situation's unique, so I don't like to apply a one size I don't think you can apply a one size fit all. I think that's a general UX rule is like one size fits all just doesn't work. Yeah, and I, I think for smaller companies where personalization will come into play from like a, a smaller scale would be like emails, right? And stuff like that, personalizing email content that's sent to the user, newsletters, um, and ads. That's probably the simplest way that a lot of people tend to use personalization if you're not one of those major companies. Actually, ads is a really good segue because they're very controversial and the data that you know companies are are able to get on people to create those ads you know people have said it's very unsettling right i i think it was target maybe that you know could could based on a person's purchases could tell if they were pregnant or not before they even knew if they were pregnant or had an idea that they were pregnant so so there's always lines that where you feel like a company might might have gone too far Oh, and there's always downsides to personalization and customization. So I guess that's the next question. What are some of the downsides of either one, as you all see them? Well, I think I mentioned some of the customization ones, right? Uh, was the fact that you're telling the user this is all on them, right? You don't want to do that. Uh, you don't want to make them feel like they have to do a bunch of work just to even use your product. Or they have to customize it to the point where like they can't even do anything. And to be honest, most people, I think it's like a, a statistic, like less than 5% of people actually change their default settings. 
right? Um, in the app. So most people don't want to customize a lot of information, right? They want to customize things that are important to them or that makes their life easier or in instantly changes something. Privacy, uh, that can be a big downside of personalization, um, in my opinion. And that's probably one of the biggest downsides. Uh, yes, people, there's not a lot of <laughs> downsides, but I would say that's privacy is probably one of the biggest. Yeah, I I think that's a good point on the personalization front. Um, yeah, and you, you, we brought up Facebook earlier too. Uh, I think that ties into the whole privacy thing a little bit here, right? But uh, yeah, he's like you can you can have like partnerships with different ad companies that are out there that put cookies. Cookies are basically a, a tracking method for web browsing. And uh, as you browse, as you browse the internet, this cookie can is able to then see what sites you've been to, and then uh, other other sites that are partnered with that ad company can uh, can see that cookie, can see the data that's on it, and then be able to use that data to per personalize the website and display something that might be applicable to you to better sell their services or their products. So you you, you probably everyone's probably seen this at some point. Uh, in their life, if they're if they're really paying attention, where you're you 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 go and you watch a YouTube video or something like that, or you do some some Google search or you look on some Amazon for some website, then you go somewhere else and and then there's ads that are that are selling a product that you maybe looked at on Amazon to you, and you're like, oh, well, that's quite the coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. That was that that is that is an example of personalization and that's where it gets into the the ethical argument i think that that darren was bringing up there and yeah yeah so i i do think i do think there's something there and there's there there are ways that users can combat that we're starting to see a lot more advertising for vpns uh that and that's one way to combat that is to to give people privacy a, a vpn is basically a way of redirecting your internet connection through another computer. And it could be in another, a specific region. It could be randomly selected, but the basic point is it's not your computer. And then therefore, like it makes it harder to track who you are, your personal information, and it helps you, it helps protect you on the web. So then that's where personalization can fail too, because then all of a sudden like, Oh, I, I see this users in, you know, I don't know, Russia or something like that, right? And just like, well, maybe regardless of like world situations and stuff, like, you know, let's just say like, oh, well, that means like the weather there, it's probably really cold. Let's, let's show them like cold weather products and stuff, right? Or maybe it's just like, they, they're, you know, they're not in our demographic, therefore we don't show them. Um, we're not going to customize it, right? Because, you know, we, we're a US-based company. There's, there's a bunch of uh, things that we can get into there. Yeah. Uh, and there's a there's a fine line because people have to be willing to share the information, right? And it's like for some products you can't use it unless you share the information. So it's like, are you willing to opt into this, which puts it more in the user's court, right? Like Airbnb uses geo uh, uh location tracking stuff like that to recommend you uh, activities uh, that you are doing based on your stay. Uh, but to even use it, you got to opt into geo location. So it's like you know, it's a fine line. Is a is it okay for me to? send these things to you, although you only wanted to use it for, you know, booking a stay. So I think there's a fine line that you're just going to have to ride. And What about when you see, when, when you go on a website 
and it lets you choose what cookies you want tracked and you know what types of stuff you want to receive. Is that customization because you get to choose or is it personalization because you're still getting, based on what you choose, you're still getting the system sending you information? What is that? I would say it's both. You're customizing your personalization, right? And that's and at the time, you didn't have that option. And it's probably going to get more advanced than that. Um, and I think I would just like to add, it's not needed, but that is only useful if you're, it's like certain features where like Steve was talking about, uh, you can stop the sharing of your information with other apps. So you won't have that issue where like you're looking at shoes and you go somewhere else and it's here's shoes as well. Stuff like that is useful. But there's also a way to show that. And if you click it, then you can't use the app at all. That's 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 totally un- that's useless, right? Because either you're accepting the terms or you're not accepting the terms. Um, I think that's the case where customization can get a little um, not needed. But. Yes, I, I, but I, I, another thing I want to bring up where personalization uh, can fail is actually the, the best example is one that we actually just had earlier when in one of the earlier questions about um, Netflix and that uh, that button that would recommend a show for you. Right. Like that's an example of where personalization can fail, because uh, sometimes even on the, even in this digital age that we live in, word of mouth advertising is still highly effective. And so if Darren is like, oh, man, Netflix has this new feature and it's a game changer for me. Right. And it will recommend shows and it's spot on. It works every time. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I got to check that out. And I go in and I load my Netflix up. It's not there. Like what? 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 what is, how, how do I get it? What? What do I do? I, I don't know. because and, that, and that's where personalization could fail. And like Netflix is one example. But. If you think of it in terms of like, I always think when I think of personalization, I think the most natural place to make it uh, resonate with people is an e-commerce website. Um, Darren brought up Amazon earlier. I think Amazon is actually very light on the personalization. I think they can go much, 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 much further. Uh, But like, so an example being like Jane goes to an e-commerce website. She just goes to the homepage. She sees a product on that webpage and it's like, oh, I think uh, John's really going to like that product. So she she sends the URL, the URL of the homepage over to John. John loads up that website. John lives in a different, a different place. He loads it up. That product doesn't show up there. He has no idea what, what Jane is talking about. It's an example where it's making that user experience isn't as clean as it could be if, if they were both seeing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's also, uh, well, I'm going to get, I would say personalization can also fail. It's something that people don't think about in customization. Think both is that not only, you know, we're thinking about granted, like say, just looking on a laptop or just looking at your phone, but also personalize it between each device. Uh, and I think uh, you notice that with certain streaming services, if you use the streaming services on your laptop, it looks one way. If you use it on your phone, it looks a certain way. If you use it on your gaming system, like a PlayStation, it looks completely different. And they all work completely different, right? And certain buttons are certain places, the navigation menu. And I think uh, you got to be careful in that sense too, because you're basically saying to the user, like they have to relearn to use their product on each different device. And I think that's something that I've had, like I've used a friend, uh, Streams are like Netflix, right? And I'm like, oh, 
where's your thing? Mine, mine has categories going this way. What yours doesn't have categories at all. It's because it's on your PlayStation. Why is your PlayStation different than the Xbox Netflix? Like they're both game systems. They shouldn't be different, but it's because they're trying to personalize it to the uh the the demographic they may be using, right? It might not just be particular user at that point. It's more based on most gamers probably because of their button controllers may not be able to access this information easily. So we're not going to put it on here. Okay. So uh, I've got one more question and I'm trying to be sensitive of time because uh, Deanne, our producer said that you guys talk too much. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, (laughs) Well, maybe Steve, not me. I would never say something like that, but she specifically said that you guys talk too much. I'm so sorry. Um, the last question I have for you is how expensive can this be for a company wanting to personalize or customize their user experience? Where where does the cost come in? Okay. This is the most important statement. I think if you get out of all of this, a customization, enhanced customization, I'm going to use that word, enhanced customization and personalization features or tools, right? Both. Do not work unless you already have a usable product. The These are things that will improve your user experience, assuming you already have a great experience, right? You already have a good product, right? It doesn't fix things that are broken. Uh, I think that's one of the more, most important things here. It's like, if you're thinking, oh, this, is, this will help get, drive more traffic to my website, right? But they're already not having traffic growth to the website. There's other reasons why first that I think you should explore before even considering personalization or, or adding more customization tools like um, beyond the basics and stuff that you think you may need for your product. So I, to me, I would say it's going to cost money and it's extra money. And as Steve mentioned, there's a million ways you can do personalization. You know, there's a million ways you can do uh, customization. Uh, from like, you know, browsers, activities spent, geolocation, all that costs a different amount of money, right? And depending on the size of your company, how big you're blowing this up using from big user groups to small, if you're just targeting like a different countries or communities, right? That's all going to cost different types of money. So I would say this is money that may be uh, added to a budget that already exists. So in my opinion, it can cost a lot of money but that's assuming you already have a great product. Yeah. Uh, well, I said it earlier. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. Uh, one size does not fit all. So I think, you know, as far as like how much it's going to cost, like Darren just said it there at the end, right? It depends on how you're going to use it. Like we, we, we just, we, I brought it up before Darren and I, we had the the thing where he 70% disagreed with me. And then I a hundred percent disagreed with him when he was wrong and whatever he said. Um, I'm never wrong. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but like, I'm going to give an example of where personalization can go. And, and it, this should give you a good idea of how expensive it could potentially get. The same would be true for customization, but like I think this personalization one, like this is one that I'm 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 particularly passionate about. But I mentioned it before, like e-commerce sites, easiest one to relate to. So let's say it's a patio e-commerce site. 
and uh, you, you visit the site for the first time. The site has no idea about who you are. And let's just pretend, too, you're in a brand new computer on a web browser. You didn't sign in or anything. So there's no cookies, no other tracking stuff that it could be utilizing, right? It's fresh. There's no data on it. It's completely clean. You go to this website, uh, and it's you're loading up for the first time. Well, how can the website personalize to you? Well, it can find your IP address. Uh, assuming you're not, again, hidden behind a VPN or something like that. And the vast majority of people are not using VPNs for general general web browsing. Uh, so it gets your IP address. That gives them a general idea of where you're located. And then with that location, uh, the, the website can make some assumptions. And again, these are assumptions. But and so you have to make decisions on like how how much do you want to assume about the user, right? But if it's like uh, this is a patio furniture site, right? So they're probably going to be interested. In what's the climate like where you're at? Are there stores that are located nearby? Uh, that's another thing. Um, they might they might also look what in your in your for as far as we where we can track you. What's the general income in the area that you're located at? Uh, that's something also that they can find out just by knowing your location. And then that the, so then all that information that we can get from that IP address that can then connect to a database. This database is something where, like Darren brought up earlier, where AI can get in, machine learning and stuff, where we can kind of build stuff based upon other people in that sim similar region. But let's just assume in this case that it's all handcrafted. It's all data that's populated by someone um, that that they're they're specifically targeting this region or they're going region by region, right? So then like it's going to compare. Okay. Uh, we know that this person's in this location. Here's all this stuff. It's going to look at that database and then it's going to be like, okay, like let's look at the, the housing type uh, for that general region. What's the, what's the weather like in that general region? Again, what's the, the average income in that region? And then as the site loads, it's going to first look at, okay, uh, what images do we want to prioritize? What type of houses are in that area? So that way we can kind of the user can visualize what the furniture might look like in their house. We can make some assumptions based upon what the housing looks like. We can specifically look at images that have been tagged uh, for that specific region, load those in. And then uh, based upon the information that we gained um, on the weather, we can, we can load up, we can decide what products we want to show. And then the income, Okay, let's say you're in a low income area. Well, let's make the uh, assumption then that you are also low income. Again, assumptions. Okay, um, and then we're gonna so we're gonna show lower price products in our in our product line, and we're gonna load all that in there. And then that's all that's all in things that we can do without knowing anything about you. Now, like Darren brought up before, if you create a profile on that website, you're gonna be giving them more information that they can then leverage. Uh, to then further personalize the website. Some sites like, car, if you think of car uh, manufacturers or dealerships, right? Uh, especially, specifically like the manufacturers, you go there, a lot of them are going to ask you your zip code because then what they're going to do is they're going to show you cars in your area. Um, but they might be using other data with that too because again, they're, they're, they're not using the IP address there to get that. They're using the, 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 they're asking you for a zip code because then they can be more precise and have to make fewer assumptions like the whole VPN scenario that we talked about. Um, and then we talked about, like again, with cookies and stuff, sharing information from other websites. In this scenario, this is all fresh and we know nothing about them. So anyway, the point being, you can see how this could potentially scale and how far you can go to personalize a website and then 
you know, how expensive that can become or developing an AI or using machine learning, then like we start to make, you know, if you get a significant amount of traffic, and this is, again, we're looking more at like Amazon or these big websites, right? You get a significant amount of traffic so that you can start to put people into different buckets. And then you can be like, okay, we're, you can adjust that on the fly then so that it adjusts with trends that are going on. Like that's the whole goal of personalization, at least. And then this is specific to the e-commerce, but you can see hopefully how this applies to um, other things outside of e-commerce and how it can just enhance the user experience. And then also where it gets kind of murky with some of those ethical boundaries on privacy that Darren and I were discussing earlier. That's my rant. That was specifically for you, Deanne, saying that we talk too much. I remember that. Yeah, my point won't be as long as uh, Steve's there, uh, <laughs> and I'm not mad at you, Deanne, um, just to clarify. But uh, I would say I think Steve's point and how that ties into the money as well is that um, I think something to think about, too, when you're thinking about customization and personalization, right, is that in a sense, I would say customization comes before personalization. Um, and that's why personalization is such a big topic right now, right? It's because uh, customization has been keen for so long. That was the way that most people said, hey, all right, there's basic things. Yeah, people, we want people to customize, but to really give them control, right? And to say, hey, I want to hide things. I want to change things. I want them to dictate what they want to see. People's lean heavy on customization. But with the adaption of like people now using what smartwatches and their mobile phones, Adding a lot of customization features is not very conducive to mobile uh, design and mobile phones and stuff like that. I don't know if you try to change like your LinkedIn settings or your Facebook settings. Like, there's a lot of settings, things you can do with personalization, right? There's some things that you can just kind of, based on their habits, change for them or represent for them. And they could just simply say, yes, I want to do that. So I would say uh, if you are looking to do one of the two, I think customization is easy and cheaper to implement, but I think when you get to a point where you're adding so much, maybe it's time to actually look at personalization and see what that those benefits and things can offer you. That's very helpful. I think I understand both of those things better. I'll be looking out for them more when I'm using my various platforms and websites and whatnot. Uh, thank you all for a, a very spirited discussion at times. This is Speaking From User Experience, and we are signing off. Thanks a lot, y'all. Speaking from user experience was brought to you by Crosscom, a web, mobile, and immersive app development studio. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to subscribe. And if you want more resources about software development and emerging technology, visit our website at crosscom.com. That's Crosscom with two M's. Thanks for listening.